Good evening and welcome to the NFL Draft. Tonight, we officially welcome the next generation of players. So if you're ready, are you ready? Let's get it started. The NFL Draft is officially open. Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I am Trevor Sickable. With me is Benjamin Solak on a beautiful Monday edition of the podcast. This episode is brought to you by Bilt Bar. Go to BiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. That's all caps LOCKED and then the number 15. Number is 15. And then you will get 15% off your next order. We are back to our... Final scouting reports, film notes, rankings for the 2021 NFL draft class. And today we are talking about the tight end position. It's basically going to be 45 minutes of us verbally worshiping the ground that Gators tight end Kyle Pitts walks on. And then we're also going to talk about some other guys who happen to be in this class. Ben, I'll bring you in with that. How the heck are you, my friend? Uh, everything is delicious. Thanks for asking, Trev. Uh I get to go see my folks this weekend, which wow. is the first, second time I'll be seeing them since pandemic began. Uh, so V excited to go home and hang out with them. Also, V excited to go home and then watch football players. And I'm like, why, why did you hang out with your family? I'm like, there's a draft in a, in a month. And if I don't <laughs> right, know right. how good Jack Stoll is, I'm not doing my job. So here we go. Uh, before we get to the tight end class, we have major news from one of our favorite prospects, which I had to bring to... Uh-huh. the listeners because it makes me sad and because i'm sad now i have to make you guys sad that's how it works here the news is that virginia tech cornerback caleb farley is having back surgery again he already had back surgery since opting out now he's mm-hmm. having back surgery again two back surgeries without even playing a single snap of football ben I just checked the draft value chart, and that comes out as not great. Right, okay. He's having a <laughs> micro-discectomy. Right? Micro-disc-ectomy, which is extre- extremely difficult to say. Micro means uh, small, disc means disc, ectomy means ectomy. See, there we go. We explained it, it for surgery. you. Um, so it's there's like there uh the the rumor was when he because he missed the last two games of the 2019 season which was the last season that he played he missed the last two games that season with uh back spasms which he had been having across the course of the year but it got to a point where he was suffering too much and he wasn't going to play the rest of the season it, the report that I'm reading suffering from suffering sports, sounds harsh just the word suffering it, yeah it's just, it's an, it's an intense one uh, oh. according to 24 seven. It was rumored to be caused by a pinched nerve in his back. And then the micro discectomy uh, is, according to Google, <laughs> a minimally invasive procedure, <laughs> um, which removes portions of a herniated disc to relieve pressure on the spinal nerve column. So this is not like he has a nagging, you know, back muscle injury that won't go away. This seems to be he's having residual problems from a, a spine issue, right. from a spinal nerve problem, yeah, which is why this is extremely concerning. It's because his longevity for the league is is a matter of question. Now, there was a nerve issue in DK Metcalf's neck, and he went 64 overall, and he's out here just being one of the best, not the best young receiver in the NFL. Right, sure, yes. Right. That isn't what the concern is. 
and it's not what will precipitate the fall. If Farley is, if Farley's back doesn't hurt, slash if Farley's back hurts a little bit, because during 2019 when he was playing, apparently it hurt a little bit and he was awesome. Uh, he's going to be really quite good. I think he's going to be a very good pro. The concern is, is how many years are you drafting? How many years are you going to get Caleb Farley? Are you getting him just for his mm-hmm. rookie contract? Is this guy going to be able to make it to a second contract? Uh, is is you know uh, is if he gets injured in his rookie deal, if he gets injured in the next year, or two years, what's left to be done? Mm-hmm. What kind of work and how would that rehab look like? There's the, the when you draft a player, especially top ten, top fifteen, you're trying to draft a player who's going to be in the franchise for a decade. That's always a tough bet. It's even more difficult when you have a player with, with an injury issue like that. So number one, we miss, we wish Caleb the best for his surgery. I hope that. Caleb gets right because he's a really good player and he seems like an awesome guy. Uh, so you'd like for him to be healthy. But number two, there's now a, a question no longer of just Caleb Farley versus Patrick Sertan, who's better. Now it's what's better. My what, what's more certain? My confidence that I'm going to get ten good corner years out of J.C. Horn, or my confidence I'm going to get ten good corner right. years out of Caleb Farley, right. so on I, and so forth. I I wondered before we got on here, is Caleb Farley still a first round pick? And I asked you that question, and you said yes. I agree with you. I still think that he is a first-round pick. Uh, on, on the grounds of this corner class just really isn't that good beyond the top couple of guys. Like, if you want to throw Greg Newsom in there as well, okay, Patrick Sertan, J.C. Horn, Greg Newsom, and then Caleb Farley, those are really, I think, the big impact guys that you're going to get in the first round. I still think that Farley goes in the first round because of that, but that would depend on certain deeper medical checks because, you know, for as green as Farley is in his film as a former wide receiver, he tore his ACL in 2017 with a non-contact injury. He then had, like you said, the back spasms in 2019, and here's another back issue. And so I obviously those things aren't necessarily all linked to each other, and there is an element of bad luck that comes in with certain injuries, but anytime you have something that's reoccurring with a lower back, it's tricky or anything just with the spine in general. Like that's why everyone freaked out with DK Metcalf in the neck. Cause you, you don't know, like that's your spinal cord. You just don't know how much people are going to be able to recover from that. And certainly, you know, we, we hope more, more so for Caleb Farley himself, less of, uh, you know, we want to, we want to see this prospect that we highly grade play. Well, I mean, it's first and foremost, you want Farley to be healthy, but man, it's just, there's going to be, I think, a handful of teams that aren't going to want to touch him with the type of value draft pick that his talent deserves. And that's always a bummer. So we're not talking about corners. I just, we, I, I had to bring that up right. because, because Caleb Farley is, shoot, I mean, he's going to end as a top 10 player in the class for me. And anytime that this kind of news happens, it's a big deal. We are talking about tight ends, and we are going to talk about a, a, another player who's going to end up as a top 10 player for me. Probably for Ben as well, though I don't want to speak for my co-host quite yet. We're going to break the the tight end class up and highlight it using superlatives like we have done over the last couple of episodes. We're going to talk about the best red zone specialist, the best blocker, a guy who was our toughest evaluation, some day three target players, and then give you our top fives in order at the end of the episode. Ben, which superlative you want to start out with? Let's do... Let's do best blocker because I'm not going to pick the best blocker. I'm just going to pick a guy that I want to talk about because I think he's good. Okay. All right. Which is just me me establishing the rules for this podcast and then immediately breaking them. Can I guess who you're going to talk about? Talk to me. Are you going to talk about Tommy Tremble from Notre Dame? No. Okay. I 
think Tommy Tremble's not okay. I don't think Tommy Tremble's overrated. I don't. I was gonna say that. I'm not gonna say that. I think that Tommy Tremble is like that one good indie song that a bunch of people are like, oh, I'm indie. You wanna know why? Because I think Tommy Tremble's good, even though he barely produced it all. I think like I watch film and I know Tommy Tremble's good. It's like, yeah, Tommy Tremble is good. He also didn't produce at all. And that is like worthy of conversation a little bit. And maybe that's because he's just like a good tight end too. And it's just like, oh, like that's, oh, you know, we're just going to kind of be a, a rotational guy. And he's going to be a four phase special teamer and he's going to be a good blocker and he's going to be a good part of your team. But let's not be like drafting that top 60 or whatever the heck we're talking about here. I don't think bit. that's going to happen. Man, I was I was gonna come on I was gonna come on here and say that I like Tommy Tremble and now you're you're you know you're making I also like Tommy Tremble. Okay, good. You should right. But it's like almond milk. I'm fine with almond milk. It's just y'all are way too excited about almond milk. Who is excited about almond milk? Oh my gosh, you gotta try almond milk. What? It's so healthy. Who do you have in your circle that's hyping up almond milk like Tommy Tremble in this tight end class? This is a bad example. I'm trying to think of a good example. I am. We are. We are referencing Tommy Tremble. And his nickname is just straight almond milk from now on. I don't know if we're allowed to do that, but <laughs> Tommy Almond Tremble. Okay, <laughs> I, I do. I do like Tommy Tremble. I, okay. we'll, we'll, we'll get to him. We'll talk about him. Uh, I want to talk about John Bates, the tight end out of Boise State. Okay. Now, I just went off about uh, you know production for Tommy Tremble and how we all you know like he has low production and that should matter. John Bates' final season at Boise State, he had twelve catches. Uh, he only played in three games. His most productive season was an 11 game season in 2019 where he had 22 catches so two catches a game. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you that players with no production aren't going to be good. But I think that when we talk about Tremble, we talk about how all right, he's 6'4 and he's oh what's what's Tremble 248 I want to say. Yeah, something uh, like that. He is 6'4 yeah, 250. Yeah. What's up? Uh, John Bates is 6'6", 260. He's got a really, really nice build. And he was the... He played for Boise State. Boise State had two tight ends that they used. He had issues staying on the field, and so he wasn't really their starting tight end because he was not available. When he was available, he was used as their uh, H-back, as their F, so as the, the tight end that's off the line of scrimmage, uh, moving in motion in the running game on their split zone stuff, on their Some outside stuff. Some would call stuff. it a move tight end. Well, I think I think the the move tight end designation has started to become this like, you know, like oh you can line him up out wide sort of a thing. Like that's like flex Y or whatever. You know what I mean, he he he's, he's an H back. I'm just which, gonna start saying that any tight end that can physically move their body at all whatsoever is technically a move tight end. Right, any tight end who just can pick up a foot and then put it back down <laughs> <laughs> in a different direction. Yeah, move tight end. Um, so Bates issue in college was that he was unable to stay healthy uh the frame is nfl caliber the athleticism is clearly nfl caliber he was a three-star recruit uh he originally started as a wide receiver at college he also played punter if memory serves or at high school excuse me and then he he transitioned to tight end as he got bigger uh he was a all-state javelin thrower uh he was a triple jumper he's a great athlete huge body moves very naturally Boise State asked him to block a lot. And at 6'6", 260 with movement skills, in your head, you're like, this is not going, this is not really a, a blocking sort of ability. He's not a very dense guy. He's a little bit upright. He's a little bit light in the lower half. It's more going to be a move player, but they needed him to be a blocker. And he was extremely effective as a blocker. Uh, he is for the 
height and the lack of, of natural leverage that he has, uh, he gives you really, really nice reps off ball working from the first level to the second level. He's able to finish. He's really, really nice washing down blocks down. So if a defensive end's trying to spike into the C gap, he's willing to take them where they want to go and drive them. Um, if he has to work out to the second level, get to one of those, like you watch like their San Diego state film from 2019, you watch, uh, uh, Nevada, right? They play with some of these really light wide edges. He's able to get out to those guys quickly because he's got such great length to him. Uh, good quick first step latch hands and then he's able to carry those guys and take them into the second level so he's very very quality blocking player who's not built like a blocker and then has receiver like ability uh health is the major problem i don't see how you give yourself a, a anything more than a round or excuse me a day three flyer on a player like bates because he has not been able to stay healthy and he has very little production but he reminds me of what troy fumagalli was at wisconsin in terms of I was in a, a run-heavy approach, so I know how to get the job done as a blocker, even though I'm not built as a blocker. Fumagalli was like 250 pounds or something at like 6'5 out of Wisconsin. But then a consistent ability, consistent blocking ability with then receiver-like traits as a move player both before and after the catch. So I like John Bates a fair bit. I was very impressed with this film. He had a good senior bowl as well. Uh, as far as blocking goes, there's a lot of tight ends in this class. It's not a very good tight end class. There's a lot of tight ends in this class that you could, that you could take Jack Stoll, the kid out of Nebraska. You could take uh, the Iowa State Dylan Shaner kid who's like 280 pounds or something and be like, go block. But in terms of functional NFL caliber athletes at tight end who can actually do something in the receiving game for you, Bates is one of the best blockers in year one. So uh, I like him a lot. Did you say, did you say, I just want to be clear here. Did you say that he like is your favorite blocker? Or are you just kind of like giving him a shout out? Like, hey, big shout out I'm to blocking him, ability. I'm giving him a shout out. I mean, okay. he's not he's not the best blocker in this class, but I think that he doesn't really get discussed at all. And I think that he deserves to be discussed. Best blocker in this class is I mean, Hunter Long? No. I, I mean, there it's uh, from the guys that I watched, and I only I only watched eight of these dudes so far, and I did not watch Luke Farrell. You watched Luke Farrell, and I did not. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, like I didn't, I didn't love, I didn't love the like dominant blocking profile by some of these guys. Like I think that everybody kind of who who are hating on say like Kyle Pitts or Pat Fryer me for their blocking ability. I mean, like I think they're fine. I would probably tell you that the best blocker in the class is, yeah, I guess Hunter Long. Right, but I mean, like I don't of the guys that I watched. I don't, I don't hate Fryer Muse blocking. Like he needs to get better at it, but. I don't hate his Both blocking. Pitts and Frymuth are perfectly fine. Yeah, right. I, I mean, I'm with you there. And it's not like Hunter Long's blowing people away. Tommy Tremble would be the guy that I would have given the shout-out to before yeah, you called him absolutely right. undraftable a couple of minutes ago. Tremble's a good pass blocker. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, like, I, I think that he is certainly the most impactful blocker. If you watch a lot of his best snaps from this past season— I mean, granted, they had to be his best snaps because he really didn't see much at all. He was sixth on the team in targets— he didn't find the end zone once. He had four touchdowns last year, but only 16 receptions. I mean, like, they just did not use this guy over his sophomore and junior seasons. And so he is very unrefined, I think is probably the word that I was used. He is just not very polished at no matter what it is he's doing, even if you see some flash potential in him. And, man, I see a really good impact blocker when he is able to line up. Like, when he squares people up and he's got momentum, I mean, he is finishing he is finishing these blocks like he's a left guard out here he wants to bring these dudes down and take them out of the play and so for that I would say that he has the best blocks in the class 
there are also just times where, like, he totally whiffed. Like, somebody who knew how green Tremble was at lining his guys up and squaring up in space and really locking in with the block. I mean, they'd either just hit a swim move or they'd, like, stutter step one way and Tremble, like, couldn't get the hands on him and they'd just straight up be around him. And those are the things that he's got to get much more patient with, way more reps with. And that goes to the receiving game, too, just because he wasn't really used in that area. He was used kind of the same way that you were talking about before. He was used in line, but also, you know, in a wing position and off the line of scrimmage and coming across the line of scrimmage behind the line. And I loved what I saw from him with the good parts. It was just barely, you know, like it's barely a passable experience for him. Like the amount of Mm. impactful plays that he's had over the last two years. I mean, that that all even barely comes into what you would want one year of a player to show you in their final year of eligibility. So he is a complete project, but I have to say he was a guy who, in a tight end class that I don't really love, you know, his ceiling presents itself as one of the highest in the class. I just think we're a long way away from being there. So this is a guy that you're absolutely not going to start in day one, but there's a lot of nice impactful plays I think that you could get from him especially as a blocker early on, if you've got him as your tight end two, probably tight end three if we're, we're being honest here in his first year. And he can kind of grow from there. And I think that you're going to get a really nice tight end prospect year three, year four of a rookie contract. Hopefully turns into something more, a second contract for you. Because I think he brings a lot to the game. But it's it's just, we don't see it a lot right now because he does not have the experience to show it. Right. I think that this is, I want to say this very carefully. He's got a John New Smith build. Tommy Tremble does. Six three, six four, two forty five, two fifty. Yeah, he's got a Jonu Smith career arc in terms of sure. I'm going to be the move, the move age back. You know, yes. what I mean? I'm going to be good yes. with the ball in my hands. Uh, Jonu in his first year had eighteen catches, in his second year had twenty catches, uh, and then these past two seasons, thirty five and then forty one. Uh, he didn't have over three hundred receiving yards in either of his first two seasons. Then he had over four hundred in both, and then obviously he's got eleven touchdowns in the last two years as opposed to five total in the first two years. So he's got that arc. I don't think he's a John U. Smith athlete. And so that's where you get a little bit more sour on the on the projection. He's better than John was coming out of Florida International as a blocker right now. And our next superlative is red zone specialist. I think a guy who's a very good red zone threat for you, a little red zone skeleton key. My player is Tommy Tremble for that reason, right? You talk about those four uh touchdowns that he had in that 2019 season right and a lot of his looks a lot of his receptions 2019 or 2020 came when notre dame is telling a lie with split zone you know what i mean like oh we're gonna oh we're gonna send tremble in motion he's gonna slice back across and oh nope it's a little play action pass and here's a quick little you know pick up on third and three and like a little run for the catch oh that's nice and whatever but when you watch his touchdowns in the red zone right? Those four touchdowns for his first year, it's vertical releases from number two. It's contested catches. It's, it's scramble drill plays. It's legit receiving down threats. And that's because he has the size route running hands, athletic ability and toughness right now to go on the outside and be a receiving threat. That's there. Notre Dame did not have to use it. Cole Komet, Chase Claypool, then their their current Maybe freshman right. Michael Mayer, who's yeah. absolutely bananas. Um, they had their big bodies. They had their six four boys, uh, who none of them were as good of blockers as Tremble was. So leave Tremble as the blocker, and then ask uh, those guys to be receiving players for them. But the highlights on Tremble as a receiver are legit. 
And if you go from a down to down perspective, you're like, all right, they're basically using this guy like ghost screen as a blocker, you know, motion guy. It's all trickeration. It's all, you know, kind of schemed up. But those red zone reps in 2019, those touchdowns were impressive to me because they were, I'm going to win one-on-one against a man cover defender. And that's, that's what is important in the red zone. If you're going to be that player. And then if you land on an intelligent team, you know, watch what Green Bay did with Devontae Adams or Alabama did with Devonta Smith in the red zone with motion, you're going to become even more valuable because now with your blocking ability, your hands in the dirt as, a, as an H-back, you're a threat to, you know, actually like generate movement in the running game and open up some space for a, a run attempt inside the right. five. Right. But also we can put you in motion and you can go beat a guy one-on-one and you have the speed and you have the contested catch, so on and so forth. So I really, really, really like Tremble for what he was when he was at Notre Dame, which is a tight end too, which is a player who gets his explosives off of some, you know, schemed up foolishness, right? Mm. Those ghost screens, those split zone play actions. Uh, I think he's gonna be, he would be a very, very good addition to a team like uh, if Green Bay anticipates maybe losing Robert Tunyon. He's on the the, the franchise, the, the second round tender right now, obviously. Um, a team like Washington is worried about Logan Thomas and his health. He's a very, very good player for those teams as a as a do it all tight end too, who hopefully is playing behind your top guy and is just solving problems for you, disguising tendency for you. And then if you need to give him more, maybe he can take on more. But I don't really want to make that bet just yet. So I, I like him a lot as a smart teams, smart weapon, and especially in the red zone, I think he's been effective. More than that is where I, I start to hesitate. Well, certainly now. It, it would be foolish to expect more of him right now. I, I mean, I, I think that his ceiling is one of the highest ceilings in the class, both athletically and for, for and from a blocking profile. I really do. I mean, the, the, the flashes that he's able to show, but we say that all the time with guys like, oh, you know, like they're flashes on tape. Like they're truly just flashes. They are here in one second and then boop, gone, because he just does not make that much of an impact. And I think going to the next level, I almost said, like, is he ready? Because I feel like he's ready to get in the NFL for, like, what you're saying, as a tight end, too, and then you grow him and you see if he could become what Jonu Smith became. And so in that sense, I do. I, I think that he's ready. He's not, he's not even going to be 21 on draft weekend. So I think that he'll be, I believe he'll be 21 once the season kicks off, but it's right. his birthday's right around there, and so he's, he will obviously be a very young prospect. He still has plenty of room to grow in his own abilities. And I, I, for that, mm-hmm. I, even though I think that a tight end one ceiling might be in the cards later down the road, it's not close right now. But I would still tell you that this was the right time for him to go because he wasn't getting a lot of action at Notre Dame. So get to the NFL and hone your skills a little bit more at the pro level and, and get used to that speed. So I don't think athleticism is going to be a problem for him. I really don't. I graded him pretty decently highly at that. And then, of course, the impact blocking, I, I graded him high, although inconsistent at that as well. So I like him, man. I really do. I think he, he's a – you can't prioritize him too much, but I think he's got a high ceiling. I really do. I uh, Right. I think this is like, – I just wrote a piece about like offensive linemen and development and practice and whatever, so I'm in this headspace right now. But uh, – this is why you just need reps. Like Tremble just does not have as many reps. And so it's very hard to say like he'll be ready for this role in the league because saying he's ready for this role implies a certain degree of usage he hasn't met yet. And 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 he's going to see a variety of things that he just hasn't had to deal with yet. And so that they 
time, reps, ingrained habits. These are critical things. And that's why it's tough to go all the way in on a player like Tremble. With that said, you know, ideally, you trust your scouting department, you you trust your coaching staff, and you say, we're going to draft them, we're going to develop. That's what every team thinks. Right. It's just not, it's not, it's not true of every team. I was very close to putting him as tight end three in this class. But I, but I, when I say very close, I I mean, like, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Yeah. I wish I, not. I wish I could have done it, but I can't. He doesn't have near the experience, and it would just it, it would be foolish. And so I just kind of wrote in my my scouting blurb of him, like, look, I think that this guy's got an incredibly high ceiling, but he can't be higher than some of the other guys that have much more experience than him. Guys, bet online is the fast and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, NHL, it's all in full swing. BetOnline even covers award shows, TV shows, reality TV, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. It is the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the uh, promo code LOCKEDON. That's all caps, one word, LOCKEDON. That's what you'll use once you make your deposit to get that 50% bonus back. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Talking about some other red zone target beasts in this tight end class, as well as some of our toughest evaluations. Day three guys that we like, and ultimately our top five is coming up next. Get all of the sports news that you need in under 20 minutes with Locked On Today's podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on all of the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So if Tommy Tremble is your red zone guy that you really liked, as you said before the break, I mean, can I cheat and can I say Kyle Pitts? Can I do that? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I would pick anybody else. I'm trying well, okay, to, I mean, like, we, right. I mean, like, Hunter, like, I, I guess I could see it with Hunter Long because he's a guy who you could play in line, almost kind of the same right. things that you said about Tommy Tremble. You could say with Big Hunter Kyle Long. Kyle Rudolph boy. Right, right yeah. exactly. He just doesn't give you the higher vertical athletic profile that Tommy Tremble could, but Hunter Long gives you that uh, that stereotypical tight end's best friend, reliable guy in short yardage situations. When the space is limited, he's going to be able to get a contested catch for you. And so, like, I don't know, like, I guess, like, Hunter Long would be that player, but there's no doubt about it that the best red zone target in this class is Kyle Pitts. He's just, he's insane. <laughs> People will talk about him nah, as... What'd you say over it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting it. Yeah, yeah, you're good, you're good, you're good. Yeah, 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 I do want to, yeah, yeah. I do want to say this about Pitts because I guess we we could have a little bit of a Pitts conversation. Right, there's right been a discourse on Pitts, so we should talk about Pitts. And we're getting a little like y'all are taking it too far. Okay, Kyle Pitts is so good at what he does as a receiving tight end, and I say receiving tight end not to knock his blocking. We'll mention that in a sec, but he is so good at what he does as a receiver. A lot of you are saying, okay, well, he's wide receiver one. A lot of you idiots. You, like, Say it with your chest, Trev. You don't need to do that. And I would tell you, you shouldn't do that. You should, you should not want to do that. It is more valuable for Kyle Pitts to be exactly who he is as tight end one than it is for you to limit him as a wide receiver. It's just a wide receiver. You guys realize how difficult it is? To find a tight end that is as good, as reliable, has as big of an upside, can get vertical, can get to the sideline, can juke any kind of defender like Kyle Pitts can do and put him in line? That's nuts. That's not that's not even fair. You wanna you don't look, 
Kyle Pitts will line up in the slot. He'll line up as a flanker. He'll line up as an X receiver on the outside. He can do it all. But if you just limit him to a wide receiver profile, even putting him in those three different spots, you are taking away what could be the most valuable asset of his game, and that is him playing from a wing position, playing as an inline tight end, all of that kind of stuff. If you take the tight end label away from him, you actually bring less value to his game. This is a player that you are going to play at all times no matter what. So you you could take that out of it because sometimes I think people would be like, okay, well, wide receivers would play in this instance more than like a receiving tight end would. That's not the case with Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts is basically going to dominate your entire snap count no matter what. And I think a big root of that is because of the position that he plays. So even when you're going heavy, even when it's a short yardage situation, even when you're in the goal line, what red zone, whatever it is, when Kyle Pitts is on the field, the defense has to double him. They have to have two sets of eyes on him at all times. And you could be straight running the ball, and that's all of a sudden two guys that are on their heels and not going into their gaps and not going towards the run and really stopping that. You know how much of an advantage that is? That's way more advantageous, at least I believe, than to say, oh, he's wide receiver one. Now, if you would want to say categorically he's the best receiver, okay, I guess that's a different discussion. But don't label him as wide receiver one. Label him as tight end one. And like Ben just said, say it with your chest. Believe that that has enough value because I truly believe it does. Uh, we're uh, quick quiz for the people. Uh, you know, okay, Kyle Pitts, he gets a Darren Waller comp, right? This is the most common comp form. Darren Waller is 6'6", 255. Pitts is like 6'4", 240 something. Uh, Waller ran a 4'4", 6". Pitts, Pitts just Pitts, ran a 4'4", 6". Yeah, re- reportedly ran a 4'4", 6". Yeah offensive and awesome okay so I, I don't know how heavy waller was when he ran a 446 but it wasn't 250 plus because he I was can, a wide receiver in college, I, I, in, in I, college i can tell you hold on uh okay so darren waller tight end with the raiders how what percentage of darren waller snaps this is from pff darren waller come with darren waller was at the combine at six foot six ran a 446 at let's play prices right here you gotta guess Oh, Price is Right rules? Yes, you can't can't go over. Can't go over. 243. 238. You idiot! Oh, dang. The showcase goes to the other person. 238. Man, that boy's put on 20 pounds. All right. Darren Waller in Las Vegas. Yes. What percentage of his snaps in the 2020 season came with him in an inline alignment as charted by PFF? So that's inline or H-back. It means attached, attached to the formation. I have no idea. You have a guess? No, I really don't. Uh, it's uh, 67. 64%. Oh, baby. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, the remaining snaps. He had three snaps in the backfield, and then his remaining snaps were either in the slot or out wide. So basically two-thirds of the time, Waller's lined up inside. He's lined up attached to the formation. Now, Darren Waller, viewed as one of the best receiving tight ends, one of the best tight ends in the league, mm-hmm. had 145 targets, 107 receptions, 1,200 yards, and nine touchdowns. If you get that out of Kyle Pitts, you are extremely happy with that draft pick, whether you spent one overall, two overall, three overall, five overall, so on and so forth. Because what those numbers don't capture is then the value that that player gives you in the running game as well. Because Darren Waller is a perfectly cromulent blocker for the Raiders. Cromulent? What is this, a Star Trek yeah. movie? Now, Travis Kelsey, tight end for Kansas City Chiefs, should have been the player of the the offensive player of the year, in my opinion. Uh, he comes out this year with 
145 targets, 105 yards, 1,400 receiving yards, and 11 receiving touchdowns. He was the primary receiving threat for the Kansas City Chiefs who made the Super Bowl. Okay. What percentage of his snaps were taken in line? You want to uh, guess again? You're doing great, or do you want me to just go for it? No, I will guess again. I, um, I feel like 67 is actually a good guess again. I'm going to go with he 67. Took 43% of his snaps in line, and he oh, took 55%. Yes, so Travis Kelsey took more snaps as a wide receiver damn. than he did as a tight end. Okay. Now, what's the point of all this? I'll tell you the point. I would have told you Travis Kelsey, Kelsey would have played more in line. Dang, okay. Right, exactly. No, that's exactly the point. And he just is a wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs. He had 1,400 receiving yards. He was the number one target for the number one passing offense in the league this year. He is an unbelievable athlete. He's 6'5", 260. Waller is 6'6", 255. Waller is taller, skinnier, looks more like a wide receiver, has the wide receiver background. For the Raiders, he took 67% of his snaps in line. Both of these players were over 1,000 yards receiving. Both these players had over 100 receptions. These are weapons for their team. Kelsey is the only tight end in terms of like a, a significant number of snaps. Only tight end who in the league who took more snaps out wide than he did attached to the line of scrimmage. The conception around Kyle Pitts is that he either is going to be a tight end or he's actually going to be a feature part of the passing game and thereby, thereby be a wide receiver. And that is a misconception. It is a misnomer. You can put Kyle Pitts yes. in line for 67% of the doggone snaps like he right. did for, uh, or 64% like he did for Darren Waller. And he can be your number one receiving threat. He can be your third down target. He, he can be your hero, baby. Like it's just, this is, it, he's going to be the guy for you. So why do you take a guy out of his position and out of his role that he was nearly like the whatever Bolitnikoff award winner yeah, as right. a tight end right? and put him into a different role. There's no need to. Yeah. Uh, he's, there's going to be times he lines up as an X receiver. There's going to be times he lines up as a H back, as, an, as a Y, as a move Z, as a slot, whatever you want. He's going to line up in all those positions. He's going to take advantage of matchups. He's going to be great for you. You're going to move him around and you're going to have the ability to put him in line, which you don't really have with wide receivers, like actually hand in the dirt. You can be able to get him matched up against linebackers and it's all going to go swell for you. You don't have to overthink it. Kyle's the man. I mean, I'm with you hundred percent. I, I, I do think that, hey, that that was a, that was a really good way to put it. People are saying the wide receiver label as if the tight end label is not enough. I'm telling you, not only is it not enough, it is preferred. What he can do as a tight end is actually even more impactful than what he might be able to do if you just limit him to a wide receiver. Going to his blocking profile, people will be like, okay, he's a, he's a blocking receiver. Or he's a he's a wide receiver because like he's not as good of a blocker as a tight end. Watch his film, man. You're, you're, like, you're telling on yourself if you don't think he's a great blocker. Well, I, I shouldn't use the word great. He is a completely adequate blocker. Like he can, You can completely use him in line as a tight end and not have a liability there. There were a handful of plays where I just I I watched him say, like move the defensive end, completely wall off the 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 running lane and I'm like, "Look at this dude. He's doing this at 240." Okay? You guys also got to realize this. Like we just discussed with Darren Waller. Darren Waller was as as athletic as he was when he was 6 foot 6, 238 pounds at the combine a while back. Kyle Pitts is 6 foot 5, 6 foot 6. 240 pounds. I mean, like, he's the same thing. Darren Waller, like you said, weighs 15, 20 pounds heavier right now. Kyle Pitts is just 20 years old. 
Kyle Pitts is still literally growing into his own right. body. He will comfortably, if you have ever looked at a picture of Kyle Pitts, you know that he can comfortably pack on another 10, 15 pounds easy, still stay athletic, still be dominant as a receiver, and just hold up even better on the line, hold up even better as a blocker. And that's just going to unlock everything for him. And so if you want to call him a wide receiver, make sure you are doing it so in the correct way. Simply saying that you can use him as a wide receiver. Do not call him a wide receiver as if to say he cannot get enough value as a tight end because I would tell you the exact opposite is true. He brings even more value for how good he is at such an all-around impactful position like tight end. He's everything you'd want. And that's, I mean, that's why he's absolutely going to be a top 10 player. He'll probably, of course, end up a top five, maybe even top three player in the class for me. I don't know what your final grade is on him, but yeah, he's fantastic. He's he's awesome. Yeah, I'm excited to not yet know officially where he is in terms of like podcast time. Do you not look at your board also... at all? No, I do. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I know where he is, but as per... <laughs> Like the universe of the podcast, in which I have not finished wide receiver or quarterback yet, I don't. Okay. All right. Okay. But I know. All right. Okay. All right. We're going to have a big board episode, so you better be ready for it. We're going to have two big board episodes. Ooh. Uh, I don't know. Let's... I don't know if that's true or not. I just felt, felt like one-upping you there. I don't, I don't know if it is either, but uh, <laughs> now the schedule says it, so can't lie to the people. Let's talk about a tough evaluation, and then you can also throw in a day three target before we get to our top fives. Kenny Yeboah, Yeboah, tight end, Yeboah, Yeboah, yeah, Ole Miss, tight end, uh, 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 Temple transfer, hometown, Parkland. You know where that is, Trev? Eastern Pennsylvania. All right, there, Chief. Great. As my boy. Great. Strasburg, Strasburg played Kenny when I was there. Uh, it would have been. Yeah, it would have been probably uh, would have been the playoffs of my of 2014, 2015 season. Though we, we would they creamed us oh my gosh First round of the <laughs> they opened the second half with a surprise onside kick up by 21 i was offended uh they recovered it too but anyway uh they were very good so gotta keep uh, your foot on Bo the gas high school coaches are the real coaches if we're being honest yeah so uh so right so he's from allentown which is eastern pa uh he was a two-star recruit transferred from temple he is 6'4 240 and a lot of what we talked about in terms of Clever schemed approaches for Tommy Tremble applies to Yaboa's usage at Ole Miss. And it's it's important to note, uh, Yaboa was a free agent on the market, and then Lane Kiffin got the Ole Miss job. Mm -hmm. And then he very quickly afterward secured Yaboa as a grad transfer. And at, and then he uh he like he was he gave a quote in the preseason where he was like Kenny was really important to us. Kenny's really big. Like we needed this player. Uh, like you know, like our our you know, like a staff. Like we thought that like, he was going to go for the draft, and he decided to grad transfer. And we thought that this was great. And we thought this was huge because of the cleverness of that offense and the the constant series football. A lot of stuff looks like split zone. Looks like insert. Right. He's always as an H back. He's constantly in motion. He's used behind the line of scrimmage. It becomes difficult to figure out just how good of a route runner and a separator Yaboa is. Because a lot of times when he gets looks, it's created for him. Uh, the Alabama game, 
you see a, a prospect have seven catches, 181 yards, and two touchdowns against Alabama, and you're like, hot dog. This guy's going to be the man. And then you put on that film, and those explosives, those touchdowns, it's busted coverages on play action. Right. And it's Kenny being really tall and really fast. And that's yeah. great. 6'4", 240 with speed. Hey, that's that, that, we, we, we can do something with that in the league. You know what I mean? That's no problem. Um, but this is a... It becomes a difficult evaluation because so much of the, the you know, they're lining him up as number three to trips and they just have him running the seam. They're getting a matchup on a linebacker. He's able to win those things athletically, but he really ran a very simple route tree. And it's funny, like, even though he was a tight end and an H back, it's not dissimilar to some of these height, weight, speed prospects at wide receiver who I like to talk about running the vertical third route tree, right? They run the deep out, or excuse me, they run the, the deep go and they run the deep come back and they run the deep out and they run the slant. It's all these routes on, on a third of the field. They never really run anything complex that's breaking across the formation. Yeboah ran a wheel and he ran a seam and he ran a flat and he, and he ran an arrow and he ran a curl. And that's all they needed. Right. And he was really doggone good at it, you know. Um, but this is a developmental player who could walk into the league and pretty quickly start not, I want to say out-athleting guys. I don't think he's that good of an athlete. But like they they put him in there for that little out, that little pop pass against Alabama for the touchdown and that's exactly it his 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 long reception where it's a it you know he's he's a threat to block and then he releases you know through the line of scrimmage and he climbs up to the second level into the third level catches it and he's running he can go do that in the league tomorrow it's just not every offense is smart like that and if he's not in a smart offense it's gonna take time for him to be a caliber route runner enough to mm-hmm. warrant the number of targets necessary to to return on a on a big time investment so I I like Yaboa. But it's very hard to watch him in this offense and grasp translatable routes, releases, contested catches, and get them into his NFL projection. But yeah. boy, he's fast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I I agree with a lot of the stuff that you said. I, I just didn't see it necessarily from like a like a tough eval standpoint. It was just like this is this is this is what he is. And I think to your point, if he gets with the wrong coaching staff and somebody who expects him to be different than what we've seen on film. I think that they're going to struggle getting him on the field in his first couple of years before he really kind of figures it out. Like we hope he will, because yeah, right now I just think he's a big time vertical threat as a tight end. Like that's just what he is. Like just send him deep down the field. I think that's the best way you can use him. Clearly from a variety of different spots, both in line and from the slot. And I just kind of think that's how he is. Trey McKitty was super difficult for me to evaluate just because I, I don't, I did not watch Trey McKitty, so I'm I'm not going to watch him even at all, and I'm going to base my grade exclusively off your explanation. Ready, go. Okay, so here is my exact blurb on McKitty. Trey McKitty is a prospect where you, th- you think and hope his best football is ahead of him. Many would tell you that he was underutilized at FSU before transferring to Georgia, and then he proceeded to see only 10 targets in his final season. He's a move tight end type who plays both in line and from a wing position. He appears to be a, a pretty nice linear athlete, but his agility and, and inflexibility limits have um, limited how much he can separate in his routes. He's also not a dominant blocker, although he shows willingness at times. It just doesn't really move people off the ball. Uh, he's a well-rounded player with some upside as a vertical threat, but... I think the rest is definitely a big-time projection. So the biggest thing for him is that he just really wasn't able to separate. And I think that if you let him run in a straight line, he could actually be pretty good for you, almost like in the same way that Yaboa is, although I think that Yaboa is much more flexible than 
McKitty was. I thought that he was stiff in a lot of his movements. And so he was a really yeah. tough eval for me because I saw flashes of really nice athleticism from him. There were plays where, you know, he's going up the sideline or he's going up the seam or he's running a skinny post or something like that. And I just go like, man, okay, like I see it with this guy. He released off the line of scrimmage. He accelerated quickly. He went in and out of his breaks. And I'm like, okay, I, I, I can see it with this guy. But there are other times where, you know, he just he he just looked very stiff in his movements anytime he was going laterally. And then I don't know what happened, man. I mean, like, I don't know how you only get 10 targets. I don't know how you are a I don't know how you <laughs> Todd are Monken, a, baby. Right, but like I, I have was, no respect for the tight end position. He was a highly touted recruit. I believe he was a four star. Okay, now I gotta now I actually have to McKinney? He was a five star, I thought. Was he a five star? That's what he's in my head. Let me look. He was either a four star or a five star. What was he? We have him down as a. Da, 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 da. No, he's only we a three star. Are... Okay, we're both idiots. No, I thought that I I actually thought that he was like a four star, borderline five star. I, I don't know why I thought. Yeah, that, but... I also in my head I thought he was. I know we... that they're like six nine kid is a five star. I hate him. We're deceived. So I mean, like I, I think that there was there was some hype around him coming in, but. I don't know what to do with you if you only get 10 targets in your senior year. And I, there's just limited film of you previously. So that's why he it's was the toughest email for me. Cause I, 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 I didn't get it. I didn't know what to do there. Tight ends are like never used, but this tight end class was like really never used, man. This is true. They're, they're a tough class. All right. We're going to get to our official top fives. A lot of suspense at who's going to be number one. Okay. Maybe not, but the other four spots Tons of suspense. We're going to get to that after an ad read here. We've been telling you guys about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bars on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing, low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bars with 100% chocolate in all of their bars. But now it's time to find out which Built Bar bar is the best because it is Built Bar Madness. Go to BuiltBar.com or on Twitter at bar underscore built to go check out what the matchup is every single day. Remember, if you go to the website and you want to get some extra protein bars, use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your next order. That's LOCKED15. Get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com and check back in to see who won every day's matchup and who will become the best-tasting protein bars. We got our top fives for the tight end class coming up next. The NFL Draft is weeks away. It's time to start following our Locked On NFL Draft duo. That's right. I'm reading our own ad read. The Draft Dudes podcast and Locked On NFL Draft watches every prospect so that you don't have to. And the Locked On NFL Draft podcast is uh, No, no. You also have to. If I'm doing this, you're doing this. If you're listening to this podcast and you have not watched Luke Farrell, <laughs> stop. Put him on. I thought you were saying like, stop, just like don't, don't watch anybody else. Just <laughs> no, I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying, they say that we watch every prospect, so they don't have to. No, listeners absolutely have to. Okay. My expectation is you all are going over your notes as we are going over ours. Yeah, there's homework. There's homework here. What do you think is just yeah. a one way street? We provide you guys with information and entertainment, and we don't get anything back. If you don't have your scouting notes in the reviews, podcast isn't going to show up in your inbox tomorrow. Inbox? Is that how podcasts work? Anyway, I will absolutely <laughs> write a letter to your parents. If you don't show me the scouting notes that you have while you listen to the podcast, follow Locked On NFL Draft and the Draft Dudes with Kyle and Joe. 
on the Radio.com app or wherever you get your podcast. All right, let's get into it. Top five tight ends in the 2021 NFL Draft class. Ben, take it away. Five for me is Hunter Long. Like him out of Boston College. Uh, Like I said, said, big big Kyle Rudolph guy, uh, which is just a mean way of saying that he's quite a good player who's going to always just be quite a good player because athletically he's probably not going to ever be more than quite a good player. I mean, Uh, hold hold up now. Kyle Rudolph just cashed out, didn't he? He got like less than $5 million per year, I feel like. No, he got like $8 million a year. Oh, my God. From the Giants? What are the Giants Signed doing, man? a four-year, $36 million <laughs> contract. No, with the Vikings. Hold on, hold on. That was his That was his old contract with the Vikings. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're going nuts right now. <laughs> this is a four-year, $36 million. What are we talking about? All right, yeah, Kyle Rudolph. <laughs> Two years, fourteen million. Jiminy Christmas. Seven. All right. Come on, Kyle. <laughs> Four go, versus thirty-six. Baby. Oh my goodness. Hunter okay. Long, just start spending the money now, dude. You're good for it. <laughs> just buy the house, now, buy the car, get the cool Costco about, membership. What's cool about Long is that he has a ton of volume. Uh, he had like ninety targets this past season. Had sixty catches. Uh, was very successful on a variety of routes, was used in lines, very, very polished player. I just don't think it's a high ceiling player. Uh, and unlike Tremble, who comes in as my tight end four, uh, I think Long plays your tight end two. I think Tremble plays your tight end two. And I think in, in this year and in next year, if those guys have to step up because of injury into tight end one, you'd rather have Hunter Long. After that, hopefully, uh, if your coaching staff is good, tremble is, is is better for that position so long feels to me like a career journeyman obviously the kyle rudolph joke rudolph was at one team forever and he was really good for them that, that very well could be the case for long but to me he feels like a journeyman who's who's always going to be kind of uh bouncing from team to team providing value but never really securing that big long-term deal athletically i just don't think he's enough of a threat in the passing game i said my four is tremble we talked about tremble a lot that means my big three are are the big three that everybody anticipates brevin jordan pat fryermuth and noah gray the tight end out of duke um brevin jordan is my three i really (laughs) just run right by that one Brevin Jordan's my my three, <laughs> and I really cra- think people just crash their cars. I want you to know that you are one hundred percent liable for everything that happened to people when you said that. I think that we Kyle Pitts comes I, in I, as my tight end six, just outside the yeah. top five. <laughs> <laughs> tight end seven, please. Uh, wide receiver one. I do. I really think that we. I really just think that we've we've gotten bored of Brevin Jordan. I think everybody's known. From the moment that Jordan started casting for Miami, this guy's a great athlete. He's an unbelievable yak player. Uh, he's terrific up the seam. And he's just, the athleticism's great. And he's, oh, he's not totally pro ready, but it's fine. I really think if you sit down and you watch 2020 film, like I, I brought up Johnu with, with Tremble. The Johnu Smith comparison of Brevin Jordan is a really good one. It's the one that I've got. But I think that Brevin can be impactful earlier than than. John, who was, I think he could be more impactful as a receiver. I think that he can take on more volume. Certainly, he needs to get better as a as a route runner. Uh, pretty limited route tree as well. But he's got such fluidity. We talked about him in summer. The contact balance, the agility, the change of direction, just stupid for a 245-pounder. Uh, people are concerned about the blocking. Listen, he's extremely high effort. He gives and gives. And and he's going to have size and, and, and good angles because of his quickness. So, like, yeah, I mean, yeah, if we're talking about 
oh, I'm going to leave a guy in to block Miles Garrett. Well, you're an idiot. And if it's Brevin Jordan or any other tight end, that's dumb. But if we're talking about stock blocking, number three to trips, leading a screen, he can get the job done for you. Uh, and so I, I really think I'm going to, I'm a Brevin Jordan guy for this draft cycle because it feels like nobody really gets hype about him, and I still think he's quite a dangerous player. So, so good after the catch. Number two for me is Pat Fryermuth. Uh, baby Gronk com- comparisons are ludicrous, but the the extremely well-rounded player. Uh, he's not going to get drafted because of like, you know, oh, we're going to play him as an inline player. No, he's going to get drafted because of his receiving ability. Really, really good route runner at this time. Very consistent hands. Uh, has the ability to separate both a hand in the dirt and out in the slot. It's nice elevation ability as well. So he's going to contest a catch situations when he's dealing with seam routes and crossing routes. Um, but again, like this is a player who when you put on the blocking film, it's nothing that's thrilling, but it's perfectly workable. Uh, and I think that he's going to be a longtime pro He's not close to Kyle Pitts. Uh, Kyle Pitts is tight end one. Kyle Pitts may be offensive player one. You'll have to tune in later to find out. Mm. Uh, Pitts is Love the everything that's everything that's true about Pat Fryermuth. He's a plus athlete. He's a natural receiver. He's got good instincts. He's well-rounded. It's also true about Kyle Pitts. It's just Kyle Pitts with the dials cranked up to 150%. Like, that's the best way. Pat Fryermuth is very good. He's, 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 he's pro-ready. He's polished. He's an NFL athlete. He's everything you want in a bag of chips. Kyle Pitts is is that times two. Like it's just the the everything he does is just stupider. It's just all that but better. It it, it sucks for Fryman because he'd be so good in any other class. Right. Uh, he's a fringe round one grade for me, but right. Kyle Pitts is just transcendent, and it's about as simple as that. Well, I hate to be extremely boring, but we have the exact same top five. Noah Gray, baby. I thought you said you almost put Tremble at three. I did almost so put Tremble four? at three. So uh, he, yeah, yeah, right. so he's so he's four for me. I like Brevin Jordan. Um. I don't. I guess I don't know if I like him as much as you do. Like I, what he does, I think does have value, and I think that it's he he's good at what he does. I just don't. I I didn't really see the blocking profile nearly as much as you did. I thought he was a little bit more of a liability blocking, but that's again that that's not what you're going to use Brevin Jordan for. You're going to use Brevin Jordan as an F receiving tight end, and like that's totally fine. And like I think that he is going to be really nice at more of a big slot style receiver kind of a player that you have. I didn't think that he was close to Pat Fryermuth. I really didn't. And like you giving the shout out to Brevin Jordan, like I think we all got bored of Brevin Jordan. I think we didn't get bored of Pat Fryermuth. I think that he was labeled Baby Gronk. People realized that he was not Baby Gronk because that's absolutely stupid and we should stop doing this just for YouTube clicks. And they went, oh, okay, then he's actually not that good. And that's not true either. If you like, if you if you if you don't title the podcast the next baby Gronk, I will be so upset with you. Like that's not true either. I mean, I'm 100 percent doing that right now because it works for Thank clicks. You. We we now went too far in the other direction. I think Pat Fryermuth is a really, really good tight end. And I, I agree with you, man. Going back over his film, I was very pleasantly surprised. I think that this is a top 50 player. I don't know if he's going to end up getting selected in the first round. I think that Jacksonville is really heating up for him to potentially go number 25 or wherever they're going to end up selecting with their second mm-hmm. first round pick because Urban Meyer said time and time again that they have to upgrade that position. I think Brevin Jordan's also a target if they would want to wait a little bit longer on that. But I think that he could be a top 50 player. I think he's going to be a top 50 player. We just don't really talk about him nearly enough because of exactly what you said. Kyle Pitts is a, is a, is a goddamn alien. It just, he, he just doesn't make any sense. Everything that you could do with him and how he can impact an offense is pretty crazy. And so, you know, we spoke our words on Hunter Long <laughs> being the Kyle Rudolph 
already having the uh, the fourth contract laid out, long NFL career. Tommy Tremble, I'm I I am higher on his ceiling, it seems, right. than you are. Uh, because... Like if I were to tier it, I would tier Pitts, Nuts tier, yeah. next tier Fryermuth Brevin, and then another tier down would be Tremble. And it sounds like you'd be like Pitts tier, Fryermuth tier, Brevin and Tremble. Correct. Yep, that's exactly okay, how right. I have it. Wow. Well, Thanks. I mean, like, I was I was going to say, like, oh, nothing for us to argue about, but there really isn't anything. It's the same top five. It's right. just kind of figuring out where exactly we'd slot these guys. There's There was not a lot of variation that could have happened in this tight end group. Like you said, it is it is god tier at the very top. It is very, very good behind that. And then it's just kind of like, okay, like, if you, if you believe in Brevin Jordan, okay, great. I mean, like, he's clearly tight end three, I think, for anybody. It doesn't really matter. There's not going to be enough wiggle room, but... I've how, seen Tremble tight end three for numerous people. I mean, that's... that's That's got to be purely a ceiling thing, because what is tight end three to you? Where are you drafting tight end three? Are you drafting tight end three in the middle of the second round? Because I would tell you that you're not going to get enough out of Tommy Tremble for him to be your early second round pick or late second round pick. I, I just think he is... Like I can totally say, as someone who watched Tommy Tremble and was like, "Hell yeah, this tape, this tape effing rules!" Like, even I can clearly see that he does not have enough experience to give anything to you. At least you would project in year one or year two, and that's not enough for me to put him over Brevin Jordan because I agree with what you said before. Where if you know what Brevin Jordan does well and you put him in that spot in the NFL, he will be able to produce for you right away, and I think that that's really important. And as much as I like Tommy Tremble, I I simply could not put him as my tight end three because it didn't make sense. It wasn't logical. So here we are. Here we are. Here we are. We did it. The tight ends are ranked. I was we gonna, broke ground on this podcast. I was just, just going to see if you would say here we are again. Yeah, we went where no <laughs> other scout would go before, and that is have the exact same top five with a subpar <laughs> depth tight end class. There's going to be plenty of variation in the next couple of episodes that we have because we are taking what I believe will require two full episodes to go over the wide receiver class. I'm very, very excited about this one because there's going to be arguments at the top within the top three. There's going to be arguments for who's wide receiver four and five. There's going to be arguments of the... You know, wh- where do you draft certain guys? Is this a fringe first rounder? Is this a top 50 player? Is this a day two guy? Is this a day three guy? Who's going to be the best guy to get later in the draft because this class is so deep? There is so much to get to with this wide receiver class that I believe it's going to take us actually two episodes to get through all of it. So, first one coming out tomorrow. And until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked On NFL Draft.